Y'all ready? Welcome in to the fifth dimension. Mindful Solutions, a monologue with your host, Evan McDermott. And I want to welcome everybody in to the Fifth Dimension Podcast, where we are attempting to live more mindfully in the day-to-day, quite simply, make this world a little bit of a better place. I'm your host, Evan McDermott, and I want to thank you all for tuning in, whatever platform you may be using. Um, So... We're talking about coronavirus today, straight up, and doing this because there is a lot of misinformation going around out there. Nobody really knows the true facts. Nobody really knows exactly what is going on, and there's a big sense of panic. Now, I'm here to tell you that we cannot panic, okay? Now, there's a lot of steps and precautions certainly that need to be made in regards to a pandemic such as this. I know you might go on and say, it's not a pandemic yet. It will be. Um... But yeah, let's look at some cold hard facts. The best information that I have gotten have been from podcasts, have been from doing independent research. If you are relying on the mainstream media to give you information on the coronavirus, I got a bridge uh, to sell you. I got oceanfront property in Montana if you want it. You can hit me up. Uh, There's been an incompetency among the mainstream media because traditionally that type of media is fear-driven. That type of media is used to sell ratings. And what sells ratings? Fear and the unknown. And they're using the coronavirus as a tactic for ratings. So do your independent research and don't dive into that fear-based platforms for your information. A lot of this, and I'm going to give you guys some information right now that is cold, hard facts that I've done from research. So, you know, Listen to this, do your own research, and make conclusions as you will. But So, coronavirus. Um, by the time you're listening to this, who knows exactly what the numbers are? However, you know, the question is, I was saying, do we panic? No. You know, panic in any situation really does nothing. It's essentially just praying for these negative things that we're worrying about to happen. So there's no sense to panic and we actually need to stay calm and be mindful about our decisions and be mindful about it, how we're going to approach a situation like this. So, you know, this is just the beginning. Uh, I was listening to Michael Osterholm on a podcast recently, Joe Rogan. He's an infectious disease expert. Um, you know, he he gives advice to the governments, and he's re- he actually wrote a book about this very scenario a few years ago, and he laid it all out. You know, this is just the beginning. The virus is going to continue to spread uh, over the next couple of months. It's projected that it could go anywhere from three to seven months. He made a good analogy about it, how people are sort of expecting like a corona blizzard, you know, maybe a couple days, weeks at most where it's going to blow over. This is like a season. It's almost like a whole winter as opposed to a blizzard. This is just going to continue to unfold. Now, it's acting like an influenza virus. So it spreads through the air and you can be infected before you even have symptoms uh, of getting sick, right? That's the incubation period they talk about. And they talk about this incubation period where you're not sick, but you're still infected as being four days Now, that's a big deal because you may not be sick or you may not feel sick, but you may still have the virus and it's very easy to spread, especially, uh, you know, just breathing it 
It's a highly infectious disease. Respiratory spreading, just breathing, uh, is a way to spread it. That's why, example, we hear about the cruise ships, right? And it's like, oh, should we leave them on the cruise ship? No, it's a horrible idea because cruise ships are notorious for recirculating air. So it's only a matter of time, you know, it's going to infect people on that. So basically, as I was talking about Michael Osterholm, he talks about... He expects, based on the early numbers, it will be about 10 to 15 times worse than the traditional flu season. Now, we can think about the numbers of the traditional flu season and multiply that by 10 to 15. So what does that mean? We're talking with coronavirus about 40 million hospitalizations within the next three to seven months. We're talking about 96 million cases occurring, and not everybody's going to be hospitalized for that, of course. And we're talking about potentially 480,000 deaths worldwide. Now, those sound like huge numbers, and they are huge numbers. You know, we talk about, oh, there's only 10 deaths right now, 20 deaths right now. I mean, think about it. Just recently, there were no cases in the United States. And that was just a few weeks ago. Just recently, Italy was having a normal way of life, and now the whole country is on lockdown. So this is only going to continue. We talked about with that incubation period. You have it starting with zero, and then one, and then it doubles to two, and then the four, and then the eight, and the 16. And when you're at those small numbers, it doesn't necessarily sound like a lot. But once you start getting up to 100, 200, you get up to 400, and you keep doubling that to 1,000, 2,000. And you double that every four days based on the incubation period. Every four days, if you look at the pattern these numbers have gone up in terms of the total cases, in terms of the the deaths, the hospitalizations. And this is only going to continue because we didn't take preventative uh, actions, not just in the last couple of weeks, but in the last couple of years to prepare for uh, a pandemic such as this. So with that in mind, it's important to keep in mind the risk factors. Now, in terms of fatalities, risk factors with coronavirus, uh, old age, that's why it's sort of stereotyped as an old person disease. There are certainly higher numbers of older people that are passing away from this. And it's, of course, if you're older, weakened immune system, uh, you know, things such as that. Obesity is actually another one that is particular in the United States that people need to look out for. There are higher fatality rates among people who have a risk factor such as obesity and an unhealthy lifestyle, you know, it leads to things like higher blood pressure, you know, a weakened immune system or compromised immune system. So if you're living a less than healthy lifestyle, I would encourage you guys to take action to truly um, take care of yourself over these next three to seven months. Now's not the time to quit your gym routine. Now's not the time to stop doing your yoga practice or your meditation. This is when we need to most take care of ourselves and be mindful of our own well-being. Because if we're not, we're much more likely to succumb to a disease such as this. Um, I mean, in China, for example, the fatality rate among smokers was much higher than the fatality rate among non-smokers. It went up by about 6%, which is a huge jump. So if you're doing these uh, things that are going to... Uh, weaken your system as it is, there's a much greater chance you are going to become a fatality if you were to become infected. And, you know, 96 million cases worldwide is a huge amount of cases. You know, we talk about it like it's insignificant right now, 
we haven't even begun to reach the threshold of what this is going to look like. And it's very easy. You know, these are the numbers. They're indisputable numbers. You know, you can look this up. I mean, I'm not trying to incite panic. I said not to panic at the beginning. I just gave you the numbers and maybe you want to panic, but keep listening. I promise we're going to get to the good parts if there are good parts. But these are the numbers. They're indisputable. And it's easy to sort of ask questions like in a situation, uh, why are we not as prepared as we should be? Well, it's not just about the last couple of weeks. We should have been preparing you know, we could have very easily predicted a flu-like pandemic on occurring and stocking up with the necessary tools and having preparations in place for something like this if it were to happen. And we all, there was so many in the CDC, in governments, they know that this is a possibility, yet they choose not to do anything about it. So that's, a, you know, should be a warning sign for the future because we will eventually get through this. This will be, you know, use this as a learning example of how we should be preparing years ahead of time for something like this um you know i also want to ask like you know what can i do to prevent this for me and you know when's the vaccine coming out you know the vaccine is there if, if there's a vaccine it's not going to be ready for multiple months months and months and months so just sort of you know uh, michael osterholm called it happy talk if you want to really if you think it's gonna be ready in the next couple of days no chance no chance which is unfortunate um but yeah this is something we really should have been preparing for years in advance and it's not something you can necessarily just say oh trump should have done this and the whole thing would have been preventable it's not necessarily the case certainly there's more that he could be doing uh, but it doesn't necessarily uh make it a huge huge difference in terms of the overall scope of what this disease is looking like um, so we, what we do, what do we need to do well we need to begin to accept the reality of the situation it's like, okay, this is happening. What steps can I take for myself to move forward? You know, we cannot be in a place of panic. What does panic do? You know, will it reach pandemic levels? Yes. And we have to take necessary precautions recommended to us. You know, if you're at risk, avoid going into large public crowds. Don't expose yourself to these uh, flu-like symptoms. Even if, you know, you maybe you want to go to a concert or something. Maybe, but maybe it's not in your best interest. Avoid those sporting events. You know, keep yourself safe. You know, but I think most importantly, we need to begin to change how it is we relate to the uncertainty of a situation like this. You know, if we look at the mainstream media, it incites fear, it incites panic, and we're so afraid of the uncertainty. Of the situation yet we have the projected numbers we we have a good idea of what this is potentially going to look like for the next three to seven months as it's projected to last so how can we begin to find balance between problem solving and panic we don't need to panic we need to take a problem solving mindful approach and think critically about how we can best serve public interest and best serve the people who might be affected by this, especially those at risk. And it's not easy. Uh, you know, we can't necessarily just shut everything down anyways because of how our system is set up. Let's take closing schools, for example. What are we accomplishing with closing schools? First and foremost, it actually appears that kids themselves are not getting sick with this virus. Uh, you know, they can be carriers of it. And if you were to test them, 
They may test positive, but it doesn't actually show symptoms. And I'm not going to get into the biology, the science of it. It's just very interesting that, and it's what's wonderful that kids aren't necessarily getting sick with this virus. But you know, what happens if kids can't go to school, right? We have parents who have to stay home. There's no childcare. Um, they can't go to work. So they're going to have to use their sick time or they're not going to get paid at all, right? So that's a big problem. It's going to affect their income and then maybe they can't pay their bills. We talk about nurses and doctors. So many of them have children. We're going to lose our nursing staff. We're going to lose our doctors. And we desperately, desperately need these people if we're actually going to have 48 million hospitalizations. So you begin to, you have to sort of walk a fine line. You know, many parents who stay at home are not going to get paid uh, you know, what about the hourly school staff within schools? I mean, I myself, substitute teacher. I won't get paid if there's no school. And how do, where's my income coming from? Y'all better ramp up your donations to this podcast, I suppose. Um, but seriously, yeah, there's a lot of tight roping that we need to consider because at the current moment, we don't live in an economy and we don't live in a society that is set up in a way to actually support everybody in a situation like this, let alone regardless. We're so focused on our economy and our materialism and our consumerism that when we have a human health crisis emerge, we don't have any necessarily uh, any necessary precautions in place to actually help people. So I encourage you to begin to think about you think critically about these situations like what is actually the best option here and don't just in, ensue into the panic can you truly close schools for five months i don't know i don't know if that's a realistic possibility can you truly shut everything down based on how we're organizing ourselves here now if everybody had a let's say a universal basic income right where they're taken care of guaranteed it would be much easier to shut everything down and quarantine, isolate like we may need to. You know, everybody talks about working from home, right? And there's a very, very select amount of people in the population that that actually pertains to. There's so many people who can't work from home. What about someone like me, substitute teacher? I get paid an hourly wage, daily wage. No school means simply no pay for me. And there's no guarantees or no backup incomes in that regard. So it's sort of like, what do we do in this situation? And I think we need to take the approach of what is best for public health. Absolutely. If that means shutting down schools, we shut down the schools. But we need something in place to take care of people who are affected by not just the sickness, but by also what the sickness is going to do to the economy and the way of life. And are people going to pay their be able to pay their bills? You know, unfortunately, we don't live in a society that cares so much about those questions so there's a lot of uncertainty around those types of questions and what's going to happen with that and I think those are the questions we really need to begin to think critically about because the solutions to what we can do about the actual coronavirus they're black and white they're right there we know the projected timeline three to seven months which in itself there's a, a window there three months seven months there's a big difference on that we know the projected amount of cases. We know the projected amount of deaths. We know who is at risk in terms of the population. Okay. So with that in mind, we should really begin to turn our attention to these critical thinking 
questions about how this affects all the other impacts of our life and what is truly the best option moving forward. There is no clear-cut answer because we did not prepare for it ahead of time. So hopefully this serves as a lesson to those who are holding power and maybe we can begin to operate in a society that focuses on humanity first and focuses on people first. But the facts are indisputable about it. We need to move from a, a place of panic to a place of mindful, critical thinking. So what I'd say to you, take care of yourself. First and foremost, take care of yourself. Listen to the precautions. And just think critically and be aware. And there's no reason for panic. Certainly, this, this is happening. It's the reality of the situation. We have to do what we can to best survive in a situation like this. And hopefully, we can begin to come up with answers to questions of what is going to happen, what are the ramifications of our society we're living in, and how can we actually take care of the people who are not just affected by this virus, but also by the economic consequences. Because we don't, as I said, we don't live in a system that takes care of people. We live in a system that takes care of economy. So when you got a pandemic, the economy doesn't matter so much as human lives do. So yeah, that's what I got to say about that. If you enjoyed this podcast, this is a little bit of a short one because there's only so much you can really say about it. You know, be mindful, be aware, take the necessary precautions. Don't buy into the, the fear-based media hype. There is no reason to be panicking. There is no reason to be truly, truly afraid. We just need to be mindful. We need to strike the balance, if you could say. So, if you're, you know, that's pretty much what I got. So, um, please give us a rating. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, whatever you're listening. Like, subscribe. We have the... PayPal and Venmo now set up for donations to the podcast. However, if you would ever like to donate, I thought about doing Patreon. And I actually had it set up for a while, but I don't have anything exclusive to give to people on Patreon. So, you know, I give them my all as it is. So you can donate Venmo, uh, PayPal, Venmo, if you would be interested, if you'd like. So, yeah, there's that. Um, find me on the socials, Instagram, TikTok. YouTube, if you're not on there right now, you know, you can find me on all those. And yeah, stay safe out there, people. Be mindful, be aware, do what you got to do, be the best version of yourself, and don't panic. We got this. We're going to be all right. Bob Marley said, every little thing's going to be all right. We'll get through it. And yeah, start thinking the questions about how you could critically help this situation. What do you need to do that's best for you? Take care so long. I will see you all in the near future. See ya.